Hello and welcome to another episode of Journey to the Rise. I'm your host, Lucretia. In today's episode, we talk with Steph Davis, an author, yoga instructor, and a podcast host. Steph is truly a testimony to facing adversity, and she shares how she found her way through a challenging time. Losing your voice at any age is stressful and traumatic, but as a teenager, it has the potential to set someone back. Yet Steph pushed through the challenge and found herself with writing opportunities that would benefit her in ways she never imagined. You will hear her talk about being persistent and how never giving up when you hear no after no will lead you to opportunity. She also goes into when we put our priorities first and subscribe to the philosophy that life is always working out for us, slowly we will make progress towards the goals we have for ourselves. Let's not wait any longer to dive into this conversation. Please welcome my guest, Steph Davis. I am so excited for our guest today. She is an amazing mama and she loves to share that spirit with other people with her podcast, Spirituality for Mamas. She's also an amazing yoga instructor and she just emulates peace and calm and joy. And I love having her here. Steph, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. So I just like to kick everybody off with the same question, and that is getting like the baseline of of where you were, your foundation of growing up. Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in a really small town in Ohio, um, about a thousand people in my town, and thirty kids in my public school class. So, yeah, in the in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And what was life like for you then? Like, were you close to your family? Like, what kind of shaped you? Yeah, I would say I grew up in a really sweet community. Like, when that quote came out, like, it takes a village to raise a child, I I agree with that. That's kind of how I was raised. I was an only child, but I also was in a very um, loving and um, spiritually minded community. And I had also a lot of my cousins uh, close by. So, yeah, I feel like I was very well supported. And, um, and you know, I had great parents who were always very encouraging of me. And so, yeah, I, now that I'm, I am a parent, it's interesting to look back and, you know, you kind of analyze your own childhood. And I feel like I had a lot of uh, great structure for, you know, positive self-esteem and, um, you know, envisioning myself in successful spaces and things like that, even though the opportunities that we had in our community were very small compared to, like, comparatively small to, you know, the, you know, city living or town, suburb, suburban living, like, kind of what my kids are probably going to have the opportunities to do. But the structure or, you know, the emotional resources were there. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. And in one of your Instagram posts, you had shared about being 15, a cheerleader, and losing your voice. And what was that time like for you? Like, what was your outlet? Like, how did you handle That's traumatic for someone who's 15. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that was a very, um, it's interesting you point that out, because that was a very uh, pivotal part of my, of my uh, coming into myself or adulthood. Um, 
<clears throat> I was thinking that when I was older, I would wanted to get into acting and theater. And, um, and so, yeah, it was a big deal that I lost my voice when I was in cheerleading. And, um, and so I had to quit like all the things that were, that were vocal. So, I mean, I didn't have to, but I chose to for my own health because my voice had just continued to degrade. And if I kept going, it would have been, you know, bad news. So that year I chose to stop doing cheerleading. I chose to stop doing theater and, um, and you know, that was my what junior year or sophomore year, right in between. Um, and so that's kind of a pivotal point for, you know, when you're trying to decide where you're going to go with the rest after school. And so anyways, yeah, I, I uh, remembered when I was in junior high, I was a writer. I did writing competitions with some random thing that our junior high had uh, called Power of the Pen. That's maybe, you know, probably still there in Ohio. And so I was like, well, let me get back into writing maybe because I don't need to use my vocal cords to share. So, uh, yeah, so then I pressed into the local newspaper, not my high school newspaper, although I did that too, but I, I reached out to the local newspaper and I said, I'll go to the basketball games and, you know, I'll write for that. And, um, uh, yeah. And then around that time too, I joined a leadership. I got accepted into a leadership program, uh, called Hobie Hugh O'Brien Youth, and both of those things just kind of skyrocketed me into that next season of life. Uh, yeah, and some like major major moments for me to um, press into the resilience inside. So when I was working for the newspaper, or when I wanted to work for the newspaper, that was before email or anything like that. I called them, I wrote them a cover letter, I faxed them I called them again and I just remember him being saying you know you're really persistent yeah I was 15 years old um nice yeah later in my life like for other opportunities I had I had people say the same thing you're really persistent and so just some of those milestones in my childhood or teenagehood you know helped me realize okay that's this that's a that's a tool to use to accomplish your dreams is to just when people don't respond or say no, you just keep asking. No problem. <laughs> keep asking until it happens. Or right, right. That's um, incredibly impressive for a 15-year-old to go not just to the school newspaper, but you're like, no, I'm going to go to my town's newspaper. That's impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think I was just so hungry for an outlet, you know, to to play it out because I wasn't going to have any others. And so I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not going to be cheerleading at the basketball games, I still want to go to them and have an important role. And so I would just, you know, write the news, newspaper articles um, that would come out the next day and interview the coaches and the kids and all of that. Wow, that's amazing. And I love that you said persistence pays off because I think so many times people give a no and they get discouraged because rejection's hard. But it, it proves that when you are persistent, you keep on going and keep on going and just believe in yourself. What can be done? A teenager can work for the local newspaper. <laughs> I know. I was like, I'm working age. I can do something. <laughs> I really don't know where I came up with that idea except the child, except through that 
power of the pen thing. Absolutely. And where did you end up going to college? Um, I went to college at a state university in Ohio. So that leadership uh, program that I did in high school, plus other, you know, intentional efforts got me to be able to have a full ride scholarship to the university through a leadership program. So again, those two, those two things working in the newspaper and the, the leadership camp um, as a kid, as a teenager, really paved the path for some of the opportunities um, that I had later in college and after. Wow. And what did you decide to major in? Um, I majored in journalism. Yeah. So I chose to kind of at the last minute, I chose to not do theater and uh, I studied journalism and I did a graphic design minor and, um, and French as well. But I, I thought that I, I moved my direction from theater to magazines. So I said, okay, I want to do magazines. Um, and then when I went to college, they, um, the newspaper editor at the college tricked me and he didn't trick me, but he motivated me to say, if you get into newspapers, you'll be able to get into magazines. And so anyway, so I got folded into the mag- to the newspaper community again in, in college and I eventually became their design editor and because uh, that's what I wanted to really do. I enjoy writing, obviously, but I liked the design side of everything and it felt like a more secure eight to five type of job because journalism yeah. reporters work all the time. And since I knew I wanted to have a family, I was really intentional about the career I chose. Another reason why I didn't want to do theater um, Yeah, and I would see the reporters taking phone calls at dinner and, you know, all the time, anytime. And so I was like, well, I'll do the design side and then I can eventually have a family because I knew I really wanted that to be an important part of my uh, adulthood, my future. Um, So, yeah. So, anyways, I was a design editor and then um, got some really neat opportunities from that to work in some different newspapers across the country. Wow, that's incredible. So once you graduated, where did life lead you? Um, I When I was in college, I did a couple internships at a, two, a, a newspaper in Tucson, Arizona, and in St. Petersburg, Florida, which at the time was a really, uh, I don't know if you'd say prestigious, but it was a, uh, a think tank newspaper. Um, and... And then, and during college is when I had really connected with my now husband. And so by the time we graduated, we were like, we want to get married and, um, you know, start our life together, traveling or doing whatever we want to do. And um, so, yeah, so I made the really hard decision of <laughs> getting out of newspapers, which we all look back and say like, wow, that was a great decision. <laughs> we should have definitely gotten out of newspapers. But uh, at the time, let's see, what was it, 2009? Um, you know, that was a really, it was a big decision because all of my upbringing uh, career-wise, professionally, had been in that space. So my husband and I uh, chose to move to upstate New York and, um, it was right after the great recession and everyone had lost their jobs and uh but we were used to living on you know nothing because we were from college and uh and so we hardly felt the bump of it and um 
and eventually I couldn't get a job in design or I was trying to, you know, finagle some things and I, uh, I just started doing it on my own. So I just started my own design freelancing and my husband was in soccer. He trained, uh, professional athletes and then he started selling some of my design stuff and uh, getting clients for me and eventually we started our own design business branding copywriting all of that for about um for about five plus years and um and we rode the wave of the economy back up because a lot of individuals were leaving their companies and starting their own business, especially where we lived was a lot of entrepreneurs, um, or not entrepreneurs, engineers who became entrepreneurs. And, um, so yeah, so we helped them kind of grow, start their businesses, develop them. And we grew a little company up in New York, which we, uh, which we learned so much and had a lot of fun doing. Um, and yeah, so I, I built a branding business basically. And my husband and I worked doing that uh, full time for a long time before we had our family. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love how you just kind of, it just kind of organically fell together for you all. That's beautiful. Yeah. I and mean, I think I never really obviously intended to do any of that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just one step after another kind of moved in that direction. And then it was around when I was in college, I kind of had the fork in the road. Even when I graduated from college, I had a good friend that was into yoga and we were thinking, let's start a yoga business. And then at the same time we were doing the design and branding. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that just took off and made financially the most sense. Um, and so on the other side of having our design business, when we chose, we want to move to Nashville, we want to start a family, we kind of closed out that chapter of our lives. And uh, so that's kind of when I picked back up the yoga dream. And my first activity after having my first child was to get my yoga license. And um, yeah, so then that's kind of in my forethought was, this will be my motherhood career, <laughs> is, uh, is teach wow. yoga and you know, and learn how to do it better and kind of live more, focus on living more aligned and grounded and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and has, was yoga just kind of part of your life or was it when you decided this shift, you wanted yoga to be more intentional in your life? Yeah, honestly, like, it's really interesting because I wasn't intentional, like I wasn't thinking about it, but you know, my mom had bought a yoga DVD when I was probably around that age, 15 or maybe even earlier. And our basement was not finished. It was kind of a storage place, but we made like a little carpet and a little TV with a DVD. And I would go there at like five in the morning, sometimes before school or um, yeah, five or six in the morning and do yoga. And I didn't really know. I mean, I think I did it because I was in cross country and track and it was just something to help me learn how to stretch and get better. And I wouldn't say I was a, an intermediate yogi at all. I just, it was just something to do, you know, that helped with my athleticism at the time. Um, and it was, I, I don't even know if I would do those tapes again. It's not that they were that great or anything, but I, <laughs> I did, I was introduced to it at a really young age. 
and um, would do it on my own. And I really always kind of enjoyed the process of like self-discipline and, and self-motivation and um, yeah, just kind of having goals and accomplishing them or, you know, doing different things or interesting things as a kid. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have more from our guest, Steph, and we talk about our podcast, Spirituality for Mamas, and the alignment that goes into your own body, mind, sense of spirit, and love to create a family. The goal for any business is to grow and reach a new level. Get there faster by being an authority in your industry with a video docu-series, photography, and content strategy package. Using video, you can showcase you, your business, your staff, products, services, and your why. Utilizing video can help customers get to know you on a deeper level, which builds a connection that makes people want to support you and your business. By using video on the landing page of your website, you can increase conversions by 80%. 82% of internet traffic consumes video and viewers retain 95% of a message when they watch it in a video compared to 10% when reading it in a text. Having updated and stylish photos will enhance your social media presence and automatically make your website more attractive and appealing. Utilizing video, photos, and a content strategy all in one package will promote your business to existing and potential clients and help develop a relationship with clients who want to support you, which will result in increased sales. If you would like to know more about how you can enhance your business with video, contact GirlBossProductions.com today. Welcome back to Journey to the Rise. We continue our conversation with Steph and get into how she took the steps to practice abundance and giving, and that led her to an opportunity to teach yoga to rock climbers. And you had shared on your Instagram uh, post, it was in 2018, you had a dream to share oneness with self, with God and the world around us. What steps have you taken to share that oneness? That's such a great, such a great question. I, um, I had uh, clarity around that pretty, pretty early on. I think when we still even had our design business that I wanted to do uh, to focus on, I don't know if it's yoga, but on the concept of yoke, which is what yoga means. And that is alignment, uh, with body, soul, spirit alignment with, for me, at least it's alignment with God. Um, and so pretty soon after I got my yoga license or while I was getting my yoga license, I filled up a whole notebook of just ideas and clarity and insight of what I wanted to do. And I went forth to try to kind of make it happen in that season. And, um, it was when I was pregnant with my second child and I just, it just, there was a sense of peace around the fact like, it's not time. It's not, this isn't, this isn't the time to do that. And so, um, with some sadness and, you know, and peace, I kind of put it to the side and, but that is something that we've just had our third child, um, that I am really interested in kind of rolling out in the next few years. I feel like the podcast, um, 
spirituality for mamas was a little bit, a little sneak peek of some of the work that I want to do. Um, of course, that's focused on motherhood, but motherhood as a spiritual path, motherhood as, you know, understanding what love is, and motherhood as understanding who God is, motherhood as aligning with your own body. <laughs> I mean, hello, your own body, your own mind, your own um, sense of uh, spirit and love and, and, and passion in order to create a family that you really, uh, enjoy and have vision for. So that's kind of the motherhood part of that, that I've explored or enjoyed talking to other women about. Um, but yeah, I do see, I do see a future with, um, doing, uh, teaching some of the stuff I've, uh, we've been in yoga class together, teaching yoga meditation and and other just practices to bring ease and alignment uh, into life but I do feel like that's more of a future I'm on the path right now I'm in the I'm in the journey in the messy middle (laughs) wow that's amazing now how did you with your yoga instruction how did you end up teaching yoga to rock climbers oh yes that's a great question I um this is an interesting story okay so after I got my yoga instruction um, sort of certificate, a student from my yoga school got the job at the rock climbing uh, place. And I started working for a functional medicine PT, uh, physical therapist. And so I got some experience with that. And then later, you know, Jane had said, hey, there's an opening at, at the rock climbing place if you want to be a sub. So for about a year or two, I was a sub at at the location, um, never really anything more. And um, it was at a time in our family when we were saving really hard, we wanted to buy a house, we were just, you know, really, it was really tight money. And we were not being necessarily super generous with our finances, and so, and I felt just really uncomfortable, you know, like I feel like there's something missing. Um, yeah, I just, I want to be more giving. And so, about, uh, I had about, I forget how much money I had for like just my own cash. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to give, um, I think it was either $5 a week or $25 a week. I can't remember what it was, but it seemed like a lot to me. And I'm just going to like, whoever needs it, you know, if some, if I want to buy a book for a friend or buy a coffee for a friend. So I started to be super intentional. Um, and I think because of the amount of money I had, I think I had a hundred dollars cash. And so I was like, every week this week, I'm just gonna give out $25. And so, um, so yeah, I did that for about a month or two and it was just like super fun for me. And somehow I kept also kind of getting, having a little bit more money come in. And so instead of spending on myself, I just started, you know, looking for opportunities to spend it anyway. Like a month or two in, I got a phone call from this rock climbing place that I never, you know, hadn't thought of, hardly was ever called, like maybe twice for subs or, or a few times. And they were like, hey, we have an opening for a yoga class. Would you want to teach it? And at that time, I don't think I was teaching. I don't think I had a regular class. I'm not sure. I might have had I might have had my own thing, but nothing too regular. And um, and I was like, sure, you know, do you know how much it is? And she's like, it's $25 a week. Uh, for each class and I was like oh my gosh this is so cool so I'm like I literally get (laughs) it was just so bizarre that I was you know giving out I feel like there was this 
hole in the universe that was $25 that I was pushing out. And then it didn't, it didn't come back in the form of a gift card. It didn't come back in the form of new shoes. Like it came back in the form of something I love, which is yoga and teaching yoga and $25. Yeah. So anyway, so that, I just thought that was like a really special, I was retelling that story the other day. So I'm glad you actually brought it up because I was remembering, like, it was such a special way to learn about generosity that when you give, it comes back. And it was so like mathematical, you know, (laughs) how it works. Right. And that's amazing. And it just really shows like what you put out out into the universe. We hear this all the time, but what you put out into the universe will come back to you. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it's and it was so such a great example of how it comes back in such a loving way, like such a personal way. You know, it's not just like I said, it wasn't just I started picking up twenty five dollars from the street. It was like in this way that would you know be so personal to me, and you know, allow me the opportunity to meet you and all of these other neat neat things that progressed me forward. So, I uh, I thought, you know, that's just such a great. It was such a great example of why you're never poor to give because um love begets love (laughs) that's awesome and in your time instructing rock climbers with your yoga practice did you find that instructing athletes is different than a regular yoga class yeah you know it's funny because i had there's probably three different versions at least in my experience of yoga teaching Um, I really enjoy teaching mothers. So there's the postpartum, the pregnancy, which is very much about low level of ability and being gentle with the body and small movements, you know, and then there's the other side of um, when I've taught in like a yoga studio, which are people who are paying, you know, hundreds sometimes of dollars to be in that studio. And they're coming almost every day when I have in those studios I'm like whoa this is a different experience like they can do everything I say I don't really have to overly instruct and it's really kind of fun and upbeat and um and then the same thing with and then so I would put that as terms of athletes are really more in that space um and then there's also beginners which are a little bit in between uh where uh it's just different messaging but I would even explain athletes as uh, so many times they can be so strong in one part of their body. And then yoga is this super humbling experience, which probably is different than the yoga studio because they kind of know they do the same thing all the time. But athletes are more, um, yeah, they come in and they're like, this is going to be easy. And then, you know, you ask them to fold forward and they they are at the same level as a beginner, if not less than, because sometimes beginner everyone comes with their own, you know, flexibility and strengths. And I think that's one of the gifts of yoga is all of a sudden you're highly aware of where you're completely inflexible, which brings awareness to your life in, you know, the other 23 hours of the day. How am I sleeping? How am I sitting? How am I walking? How am I holding, you know, the baby? It's like, clearly something I'm doing is offsetting the balance in my own body. And that's kind of what's showing up on your mat um, gives you an awareness to, it's like a little test every day to see how your body's uh, portraying itself for the day. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting when you speak to someone who has maybe tried it once or they're intimidated to try it because they've seen the photos of the experienced yogi and the yoga instructors who are, you know, they're twisted like a pretzel because it's been years of practice. But it's also really fun, like you just said, watching those athletes who think, oh, this will be a snap, and they get in there, and they realize, I can't do this. And I think it's funny how someone with an athletic ability and someone who wants to just be healthier really are very much at the same starting point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And another, like, really fun aha moment, too, with yoga, especially beginners, um, one time I taught a yoga class, only one person came and she was an older woman. Um, she wasn't super experienced with yoga, just kind of wanted to try it out and do something fun. And so I just did a gentle class with her. And uh, then at the end we did, I always love throwing in the twisty, the twisty yoga. I know a lot of times people try to stay away from it because it kind of can be off-putting for some, but I like to throw one or two in because I did one with her and she could do it. And, you know, she couldn't do 50% of the, the rest of the class or, you know, she, it was just a struggle for her. It was harder, uh, more of a challenge. And then when we got to the twisty part, she could do it. And she was so proud of herself. And I mean, there's nothing really to be uh, proud or ashamed of in yoga, but uh, I love kind of throwing those in there because it's almost kind of random, you know, what, what ones you can do and what ones you can't. It's, sometimes not based on skill or experience at all (laughs) that's amazing I love that and and for you what does your yoga practice mean to you um where I'm what I'm doing these days um because I just had a I have a six month old so we had our third child and uh so it's really more about practicality and I have no interest right now in going to a studio oh that's that's not true I am trying to find one to go once a month I think that would be super fun so I'm trying to kind of find the right fit for that but other but in terms of a daily practice like I'm there's I'm not going to a studio (laughs) it's not happening um so really it's about practicing and finding a, a practice for me at home and um so what I've been doing in the morning in order to kind of align my prayer time with my or my quiet time with my body. And I also feel like right when I wake up, I desperately need to move my shoulders because I'm holding the baby and uh, caring for him in that way. So I, I find that when I move even for five minutes, 10 minutes in the morning, it sets the rest of the day up pretty well. So I've been practicing the Lord's prayer. So it kind of correlates with my spiritual uh, walk and also my body with a sun salutation. And so I'm like able to kind of connect mind, body, soul, and then, um, and spirit. And then I, during the day, this is like sometimes, many times I really try to get this in, but, um, around nap time or right after like midday, um, I try to get up to my little yoga mat, my space up here and, um, do like, just turn on some music and move my body and do do yoga as it is needed on certain body parts. And when I go too many days, like on the weekend, sometimes I don't do that because it's not a normal routine on the weekends, my body will start to really, really hurt. Um, and so it's, it's coming to be less of a luxury, like, Oh, my special, you know, personal time and more of just like, you need to get your butt up there and move your body around 
so that, you know, by 8 p.m. you don't need to be flat out. Because <laughs> this this part, this season of my life is so physical. Like, I have three boys, and they're under six. And it's like, it's just a lot of running and picking up and, you know, holding and, and all of that. <laughs> yeah. And life is tough. And if I think if we don't take time for ourselves, even like you said, five, 10 minutes to just stretch, we do feel like, you know, how you're feeling it later in the day. I think a lot of mm-hmm. people are discovering, you know, years later, also they can't touch their toes. They can't tie their shoes. And mm-hmm. if we could just take that five minutes, 10 minutes just to stretch and, and care for our bodies while we're, especially like you, you're caring for little ones. Mm-hmm. If you don't care for you, then you don't have anything left to give somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it's surprising. Like some mornings I'm like, I don't need to, I don't need to do that. Sun salutation or two. No, no problem. But then I feel it later. And then like, that's not true. Like you do need it. It's not, it's not like a, a bite. It's similar. And yet not like a vitamin C, like, oh, this makes me feel good. It's like this, it has 24 hour 12 hour repercussions like you have to get into it (laughs) yeah absolutely and you've been you've continued to carry on your writing um what inspired you to write you beliefs about a very important person I um, I wrote that book towards the end of our branding business, and I wanted to kind of encapsulate a lot of the beliefs that we had because it was uh, branding, which is essentially identifying um, the greatness within the company or within the personal business uh, entrepreneurship and in, within the entrepreneur. And um, so, yeah, so that book kind of capstoned a lot of the ideas and concepts and, um, and then, then I went and had a baby, kind of forgot about it. And then this, within the last couple of years, uh, we've kind of resurged the book and, um, had the blessing of being able to sell it to that, um, Hobie Hugh O'Brien youth leadership program that served me so well in high school and, um, just, just have been, you know, so grateful to be able to kind of bring this piece back out. And uh, because it is not just a heartbeat of our business, it's really a heartbeat of myself. And um, which is to say that like everyone has greatness inside of them. Everyone has um, something really special, something of God within them and a a calling you could say, or um, just something unique. And so to be able to explore that and to uh, go within and see it, one would be able to have uh, motivation, inspiration, but also a greater connection to God um, because understanding ourselves can, can bring us to that point because we're made in God's image. Um, so yeah, anyways, it's, it's not a spiritual book. It is just a, uh, a, a motivational book is helps you to identify what your why is and um, how to get from, you know, uh, point A to point Z and uh, getting you motivated to do the great thing that you're called to do. And um, 
and it, it helps like, you know, kind of when you get fuzzy or foggy or unmotivated, it's, it's just a quick hit. It's like a, I call it like a children's book for adults. It's just like a five minute read um, and puts you where, where you put your head and your heart where it needs to be. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I just was kind of explaining the, the deeper spiritual, how that connects to me now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very much just like a inspirational, motivational read. Wow. And I noticed on your website, the testimonial, someone had stated, uh, I read it and then I ordered 10 copies for friends. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, that, that's a cool testimonial because, uh, it's actually a very special testimonial because, um, when we were building our branding company and kind of working on this, we built a lot of our, um, a lot of our ideology around Simon Sinek who is a, a popular writer and, uh, and leadership, um, what's the word, anthropologist. And he, and so we built the design side of our business, the strategy side of our business around starting with why. So we're going to design a logo that looks like why you do what you do. We're going to build our copywriting around why you do what you do. Um, passion centered, you know, branding and, and business development. Um, and so Simon Sinek didn't know anything about us. Like he, we just did it on our own. And so, you know, six years later, after we started, um, we met the, um, I would call her the COO, the chief operating officer of, of Simon Sinek's group, kind of him and her partnered to grow that, uh, business anyways, his business. And, um, she saw what we were doing and she, she loved it. And, um, and it just really felt like, you know, well done. Like you've done, you did, you did what you set out to do, which is create a business that would help people find their why and communicate that to the world. And so then when I wrote that book, I sent that to her and uh, her name's Kim and she's the one that wrote that testimonial. So just, it feels so like, uh, yeah, just kind of closing out that season and that chapter, which who knows, it sounds like it probably is reopening again. But um, yeah, I really appreciated that testimonial, actually, that you pulled that out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love that so much for you. And you have, um, just kind of carry on to that vibe, you, you have an, an Instagram post that states, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? How do you think that mindset changes a person's perspective and how did it change yours? Yeah, I think, I think when we had our business, that was something we always kind of circled back to, to help us have clarity of mind. Um, because there's so many things you do to like make money or to impress others or to be the best. And so to just say like, forget about that. Let's say you have money. Let's say you have, you know, all of the support that you need. Um, let's say you'll never fail, you know, and um, what does that, what would you then go and do? And yeah, we use that, me and my husband use that a lot when we are trying to have, you know, make a big decision or just kind of get out of our heads about things. And we would use that when we would interview clients and help them, um, strategize for them, for themselves too. It's a very nice question to kind of 
bust the ceiling off. Absolutely. And you talk about humility on one of your posts on your Instagram and you, you have this statement where it says humility looks good on you. This is for the white men who are listening rather than talking, asking rather than telling, self-reflecting rather than publicly retorting. What inspired you to share this? Um, I think that was during a time, it was, it was either during the Me Too movement or I think it was during the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I'd have to go back to that date. But, you know, when all of that hostility kind of came out, there's so many people that had something to say, you know, their egos getting involved and they want to defend themselves. And yeah, so I just... I, I didn't want to be another voice in that, but I did want to say that the people who are being humble and open-handed in, in this conversation, um, it's very attractive. And especially the men, uh, specifically the white men who are, you know, able to say like, yeah, I am in some ways at the top of the food chain and I'm listening and interested in what others are saying and recognizing that, you know, privilege in my own self. Um, and not talking, not, not retorting, but listening. Um, yeah, I think that was my commentary on that. I tried to not be too political during that time, but I did, I did want to commend the, the men in my lives that I saw were, were more being humble and manifesting that humility outward. Yeah. I think they need more attention than they're getting because unfortunately the negative, you know, that's what the media wants because it gets the clicks and the views, mm -hmm. but you're right. There are, there are men out there who are trying and they, they don't get identified. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, let's call, call out the good and, um, and not, yeah, chastise the people that are operating from their ego or unhealth, you know, like we don't, the, that's, we want to see the ones that are healthy, same with women and all, you know, all of us, <laughs> um, you know, bring the light to the top. Absolutely. And speaking of women, you, you share a quote about with, um, by Sophia Lauren, and it says, nothing makes a woman more beautiful than the belief that she is beautiful. Yeah, I, um, I, very much am a very big believer in fathers because I had a dad that would tell me I was beautiful since I was a, a child, a baby, and would write me letters in the morning, would always, was so complimentary. And um, I read a book called Captivating, and it's all about kind of the heart of women. And, um, and she talks about, you know, how when you don't have a father figure that tells you you're beautiful, um, you can look for you want to be known, you want to know that. And so you go and try to find someone who will tell you that, or you try to change yourself or, you know, the first man that says it to you, you're like excited about. And I feel like, you know, growing up when someone would tell me a boy uh, would tell me I was pretty. I was like, it reminds me of my four-year-old right now. Like I would be like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like that doesn't impress me much, you know, like of course I am. <laughs> Um, you know, I wasn't, it didn't mean anything to me when he, you know, when another kid would say it, um, because it just felt like a fact. It just felt like a knowing within, um, 
and you know of course that you know has its own it plays out funny and in pride and stuff like that but I I do feel like I have just a really healthy sense of of feeling beautiful and like another quote that I've seen is like I don't work out to become uh you know to fix my body I work out because I love my body um and that's the same kind of same kind of energy it's like I love how my body feels and I want to love my body in return um not that I'm trying to you know, twist or bend myself to become something that somebody else says is, is good. Uh, yeah. So just that inherent goodness, I think, um, is something that I'm so thankful that I, you know, I don't, I don't have it all figured out. haven't, don't have, you know, all of the character traits, um, perfect, but I am thankful for the healthy sense of self and self-esteem that I have had. Cause I've seen so many, so many, so many, so many women, um, you know, really struggle in that department. And I honestly am grateful for my father for that. I do. I feel like I have to attribute that to him. And, um, and so it's important for women when you're looking for a, for a future father to, you know, but I think that a man that says those positive things to their daughter is, is a good thing. Very good thing. Absolutely. And I think there's something I've noticed. I think we've all noticed that woman who just knows she's beautiful. She feels that confidence. And I, I love that quote so much because it made me wish every girl, every woman in the world could hear those words and stop being stop letting the negative voices tear her down but recognize she is beautiful and her quirks are sexy and she deserves mm -hmm. to love herself and have confidence and I love that you shared that quote because it's just it's powerful mm, that's cool there's another one that when I was growing up I used to have on my wall that was a cut out from an ad magazine, which is funny that I eventually, you know, got into that business, but I loved ads so much in magazines. And one of them said, I wish that people would stop telling me I can do anything I want. I never thought I couldn't. And that quote literally like encapsulated my, my youth is just like, I dreamed big because I had that emotional support from my family, from my parents, from my community. Um, and it's like when people would say like, good job, you're going to be great. It was just like, well, yeah, I mean, of course, I don't know. Why are you saying that? <laughs> um, again, so that's a healthy sense of self and self-esteem and, and ability to accomplish. That's amazing. And you carry a lot of that into your podcast, Spirituality for Mamas. What made you want to start it? Um, yeah, I think, you know, after my second child, I just, I really deep dived into a ton of books, a ton of concepts um, that were so insightful to me. Like I went to the library or I, I went online to the library and, and checked out 25 books and just things that were interesting to me. I never even considered them. And I thought I might read one or two and I'd probably read half of them and skimmed through the other half. I, my mind was just voracious, like for so hungry for, uh, for knowledge and insight. I think probably being in motherhood, like my mind kind of starved a little bit. And so I was just 
so ready for new new knowledge and um and so yeah so from there i moved into um i was just like oh my gosh i want to share all of this there's so much to share um and so i i you know that's when i put the pod or the instagram together and i was just kind of writing and sharing books that i had read and and thoughts that i had um that were changing the way i was parenting and the way i changed you know thought about myself and then um and then, yeah, like halfway through that Instagram account, halfway through the year, um, three different situations came up where within the week where someone asked me about a podcast. Like I was thinking about a podcast and then two, I can't remember the other two, but one of them was so bizarre. I literally sat down to get my hair done um, from a woman I'd never met before. It was just my first time. And I she said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a mom, but I also just started an Instagram account called Spirituality for Mamas. And she said, oh my gosh, you would have such a great voice for a podcast. <laughs> and I was like, did you literally Whoa. just say that? That's like the third person to say that. And so I just took it as a sign and I was like, we're going to do this. It was something I had thought of before, but I was like, I'm going to figure out how to do this. So I, you know, again, went through the learning curve um, of of getting the microphone and the programs and the, and started just interviewing mothers about their spiritual journey. And it has been, I mean, it's been a while since I've done one because we just had a baby, but it has been some of the most joyful experiences I've had uh, really connecting with other mothers. Your conversations with your guests clearly touch on, um, uh, you, it's very obvious that you create a comfortable environment for them. And it's interesting that you're not afraid to go into personal conversations. And one example is with your guest, Elizabeth Bennett, where she talks about a neighbor who took his life and then three weeks later loses her brother. And then with Echo Hill Vetter, she speaks about how she grew up believing if she did everything right in life, she would never experience loss or grief. How does it feel to you that you are able to offer such a safe space on your podcast to open up these vulnerable conversations. I mean, yes, I feel like Lucretia, you're so good at just calling out some of the like special things about other people. I, I have been, I, it, this has been such a sweet place for me, this podcast, because my background is in journalism and because I have been interviewing people since I was 15 years old and writing about them, like, it's so fun to interview people. And it's something that I've always done just one-on-one, -on -one, you know, really trying to create a safe space where I can hear somebody, hear their heart, hear their why to do their branding or before, you know, be able to get a great quote, a great story about them and be able to tell a great story and so this podcast is just such a sweet way to kind of like display that um and like you get to hear that interview normally and originally I was just interviewing moms and taking their quotes and putting them on my Instagram um but yeah when I started the podcast I'm like let me you know now you can actually hear the interview and I've never had that before I've never thought about doing a podcast like I've just never came to my mind and so um yeah so it is a really sweet kind of like evolution of the person that I am growing into being you know as the journalism background the interviewing the um helping people identify their core heart and then now in motherhood 
giving people a space to talk about some really hard things. And that space is so valuable to me and important to me because mothers and women, but mothers don't talk about hard things. We, we, we don't even have time to talk about hard things. We're just like, is, you know, are your kids and neighbors? Are they potty trained? Okay, great. I'm going to go save this one from the tree. And now we got to eat a snack. Okay. Have a nice day. So it's fun to like have a really safe space where mothers can say like, yeah, birth kind of sucked, you know, and I've kind of been traumatized since that, or like, I lost my sense of self or I lost my sense of God. I didn't even, now I'm not even sure if that's a thing. Um, and that happened in motherhood, you know, uh, because it's motherhood has been such this, like, so commonplace. It's so common. Obviously everyone was born from a mother. Like it is common and the experiences are so, uh, to the individual. So uncommon, like I didn't know I didn't know what I was getting into. No one knows what they're getting into and the emotional and mental and the hardship of it. And so you feel like, well, everyone's experiencing it. So I'm not going to talk about it. Like you already know. Um, but when you hear these people's stories and, um, it's just like, wow, that sounds like me. I didn't know I could even talk about that. I didn't know that anyone would hear me say that or cry out like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I learned from doing this podcast that I, it's kind of hard to interview non-friends. Like I've had to really get to know people before I interview them because when I interview the not and people I don't really know, they're kind of like, they, they say some hard things and they, when the, the tape comes out, they're like, Whoa, I did not mean to say that, you know? Um, so there's, it's been interesting to like allow people the vulnerable space and then let people know, like, is that okay if the world hears your rawness? Like they really need to hear it too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. It is common. And we, I think a lot of people take motherhood mothers for granted because they're always there. And I think there's a lot of moms feeling lonely out there because they are so busy, like you said. And I absolutely love that you offer that space and with your podcast and your Instagram account and opening up those conversations. And I know you're super, super busy. So I, I want to make sure that if for anyone who wants to find you online, your podcast, where can they find out more information about you? Um, my website, stephgdavis.com is probably like the greatest like hub for me. Um, my podcast is not like, I'm, I'm not necessarily functioning on it currently. It's, it's first season is done. Um, but it's spirituality for mamas. And, uh, so you can binge listen to it if you like. Um, there's a lot of interesting topics on there. Um, and yeah, so my Instagram accounts are same thing, Steph G Davis and spirituality for mamas. Excellent. Now I'll make sure all that gets posted in the show notes to share. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your very, very busy and chaotic schedule to talk with us today. You are truly such an amazing spirit and I'm, I'm very thankful for you and I'm thankful for every, anyone who gets to learn yoga from you and read your books and listen to your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is such a special invitation since I'm the one normally interviewing. So it's fun to be on the other side. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely.
Bye. That's it with Steph Davis. Next week, we talk with Chris D'Amico, a photographer. If you have been following us from the beginning, you heard him in an earlier episode that was recorded quite some time ago. Now, we catch up with him and talk to him about how his business has evolved. One other thing about that National Guard thing, I've got a great shot of all the guys, all the photographers around the team, and we're standing on the steps of this weird training facility. It looks like a cross between like Raiders of the Lost Ark and you know, something from like Transformers. It's so wacky. Um, and we're in the middle of the desert in Arizona and everybody's all like, and there's this one guy who's up at the top of the stairs, just, (laughs) just this giant, huge, cheesy smile. It was just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it kind of, it very encapsulated the whole thing. Cause we were like tough. Yeah. And we go through and we'd look and be like, Oh my God, did you see that? This thing just blew up. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to Journey to the Rise. Please do follow us on your podcast app so you have the latest episode downloaded. If you want to find us on Instagram, our account is at Journey to the Rise Podcast. This episode was researched, produced, and edited by Girl Boss Productions. And remember to be kind to yourself. When you are kind to you, it is easier to be kind to others. I'm Lucretia, and you've been listening to Journey to the Rise. Thank you.